minutes and counting. Two minutes. Stay close. I've been drifting on the sea of heartbreak Trying to get myself ashore for so long For so long Listening to the strangest stories Wondering where it all went wrong For so long For so long Eastern episode 55 and we have a packed episode as usual this week and it's me Gary P and of course the prof Carl Riley. Howdy. So we're going to talk about the derby. Dundalk coming up on Friday. There's interviews with Pat O'Toole aka The Whack and Robert Goggins and questions from the Eastern of course with Lee Grace and Gary Shaw. But before we get going we're going to talk about Peach Tree East. The gorgeous Peach Tree East and they are still having their Prosecco reception when you have a party for over 40 people. So you go in, you book the function room where poker night is going to be upstairs, walk upstairs, around the corner, into the function room, buy pints, and you can uh, get free Prosecco reception. So everybody gets a glass of Prosecco and you get to feel all fancy. And you go in and you have your function or whatever party you're going to throw. So um, get on to Peace Trees about that. And don't forget their mixology classes as well, where you can go in and learn how to make cocktails, get yourself a nice zombie or a, I don't know, prof, what cocktails do you like? You look like a Long Island iced tea type of guy. I would fancy a Long Island iced tea, actually. <laughs> right, so uh, we had a correction to last week's show as well. We meant Sean Long was in charge of the Sligo bus, not his dad, Kieran. So Sean, the like 20-odd-year-old, the young guy, yep. he was in charge. Yeah, I actually thought you said Sean. That's what that's who I was talking about last week, not not Kieran. So the inmates were yeah. around the asylum. Yep. Also, Gary, thank you, mate. Oh, Glenn Dunn, an apology. What's that for? Well, last week you were telling him to get the finger out. While he was in hospital, <laughs> having yeah. a gremlin removed a gra- from his body. <laughs> like a Rice Krispie cake, wasn't it? Uh, listen, he'll be back soon, and uh, we, we want to wish Glenn Dunn all the best to, to get well soon. He'll be out of work for a while, and he possibly mightn't get to game, so um, I can only imagine what that's like. So we're going to have to keep him occupied for the next couple of weeks Why while he's it? bedridden. wonder did he keep it, and did he call a gizmo? I said that to him, I said, can we have our Johnny Blues? <laughs> call a gizmo. <laughs> Don't pour water Put on the wall of weird things. Yeah, the, the, the half and half. Johnny wa- Blues, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, the half and half wanker wall, yeah. yeah. Right, so the forum is back. And uh, thanks to Alex Weir, Irwin and Michael Nolan. And it's srfcultrasforum.com for those who have never registered before. I'm Lord Jules and of course Carl is Professor K. I actually tried to log in and I forgot my password. So there was didn't seem to be an option. I was still logged in even from two months ago. Yeah, so. I like I used to get you that was the same with me, yeah. but now I can't remember my password and there doesn't seem to be an option to send it to my email address. I'll have a f I'll have a flute around with it, but I I might be getting it wrong myself. Yeah, Garrett. Someone actually sent me a private message. 
on the form and I answered it. Go on. This was old school. And no, who, who was no I'm not going to say what it was about. That's not important. It was just the actual act <laughs> the of it. The fact that it happened. I almost forgot how to do it. It was like ancient technology. Like I had to turn a giant wheel in the wall <laughs> to get it to send. I remember when you got one of those, you always thought, oh, this is going to be a rail. Normally it was always <laughs> somebody who had a problem with you. It was just so weird, even though it's only been a few months. Like I have, I have an inbox and a send folder. It's not just the... The rapid DMing on Sim- Facebook. Simpler times. Twitter. It means yeah. more, doesn't it? It's, it's a bit yeah. more personal. So the, so the form is fact is back, and that's srfcultrasform.com. So uh, me and the prof were off to Malta. Isn't that right? The ultras have invited us to, to Malta. Have, have a gaff for us. And they reckon they can get Luke to Mech on. Yeah, Lukey to Mech and El yeah. Nilo is uh, kindly invited us to record. And the, the, the general consensus is that we're going to take a load of kit. And then we're going to record Tifties. <laughs> so what could uh, possibly go wrong? His, uh, his local club is Floriana of yeah. Roddy Collins fame. Remember them? Yeah, Luke Tomek. A Maltese International. A Maltese International. It's a call back to an old show. There was a, what was the song? Luco Di Mecchio. I think that's, that's what it was. And we're also getting invited to Frankfurt as well because Fielder, we're going to sample the Wiener Schnitzel. He's working away over there for the next couple of months and... Uh, He's invited us over. Figure's a big fan of them too. So, yeah, Continental Hoops. I actually got in touch with Figure, so he's going to organise somewhere to watch the games. And uh, yeah, so we're, we're going to do Won a bit the German of, Cup final. Do yeah. a bit of travelling prof here. Yeah. And then Champions League final. We'll speak briefly on this. Said Real Madrid beat Liverpool 3 1 in the Champions League final. And someone said this on Twitter afterwards. There's a drunk lad on the Lewis Blair now. Feed the Scousers. His girlfriend is beside him looking mortified. He's from Dublin and he's at least 35. Uh, I went down to the awful just before 10 o'clock on the night of the game and it was like a festival. Drunk Liverpool fans everywhere just falling around the place, pissing in the streets. It was insane. I've never seen it like that down at the Penny Hill. Crazy. People just crying into their points left, right and centre. But I swear to God, there were so many drunk people just <laughs> scattered all over Lucan. My dad said he went to the pub that night and he came home in an hour. He just hated us so yeah, much. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just yeah. it's, it's a yeah. So drunk, drunk uh, as they call each other, they call each other scousers. They're from Dublin. Mm. It d- just doesn't make sense to me, but they they still do it. So drunk Dublin scousers is that w- what we can call them? Poor Joe's. I met him at the program fair on Sunday. He's a Liverpool fan, so a goalkeeping situation at both clubs. Same with Kieran Stafford as can well. You imagine he that was, I, he was on Twitter talking about yeah. that situation. It's a it's heartbreaking. But Big Al is back as we saw him in Rollstone and he's a monster of a man Carl he, he got out of car well, I missed him buddy I saw your picture where you were stalking him I was so I a bit creepy that, yeah. but yeah. I, I him for it anyway. he's a monster he's much bigger than he was when he was initially here he had a bit of lumber on him when he was with us initially but now he is cool he's huge Big Al is certainly what we should be calling him he's a monster any opinion on uh, Ramos the shithouse and his judo uh, I don't know I mean if if he was our player, would we be lauding him? Would we be saying, "Oh, look what he did! He got rid of our best player." You, you know, that's the way it is. But in the in the grander scheme of things, as a neutral, I would have loved to see Salah stay on. And Ramos is just a dirty, dirty player. Apparently, someone asked on a judo forum, and it was confirmed that that's even illegal in judo. I I was going to forward it on to Joe Rogan and get his analysis <laughs> and get him to commentate like he would on UFC. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Yeah. But uh, now it's it, it ruined the game for me. I I lost all interest after that. To be honest, I had Jaden's communion, so 
we were we were busy anyway but um yeah no i lost all interest after Salah went off because i just thought you know what's it's kind of their big hope gone now someone put up a clip of uh, Ramos versus Messi over the years just how much he's hacked him down in all those games some red card count as well for Ramos he's serious yeah, about the oh, red cards yeah. he just chops people down left right and centre yeah so um, we move on to our other, another interview that was on the 42.ie and it was former Rovers and Liverpool fullback Jim Beglin so uh, check that out I haven't read that one prof what's it like yeah, it was interesting. He was uh, forced into retirement at an early age, only 27. Jim Beglin was 27 when he retired. Yeah. In- injury, obviously, yeah. Remember when we had Tony O'Dowd in here and we mentioned uh, Jim Beglin because he was finishing his career at Leeds just as Tony came into Leeds. And by then, like his injuries had just caught up to him. It was interesting how quickly he got into his media career. And opinion tends to be kind of split on Jim. I, I, I find it to be quite a good pundit now. No, I don't mind Jim. He he annoys some people, but there you go. Interesting story as well about how he was actually Bob Paisley's last signing as Liverpool manager before he retired. But they barely spoke two words to each other after that. And then three and a half years later, the night he broke his leg, Bob Paisley said that that's possibly the worst injury he's ever seen. And then who was in the ambulance with him to the hospital? But Bob Paisley... And he was in, he was in like wins and so much or, pain. Or just decided to go with him. Decided to go with him, yeah. And Jim and didn't know where, didn't know where he was. He was like, "Who is that?" He just heard this voice, and it was Paisley. Yeah. Uh, speaking of broken legs, did you see the Bray player break his leg? I actually, didn't. No. It's horrendous. And on Soccer Republic, it was a coming together. Sean Heaney actually broke his leg. Yeah. And Sean Heaney plays for Bray. So it was it was a coming together. Sean Heaney wow. bumped into his own player and he fell awkwardly. And then you can't see his leg. And then as he falls down, the leg rises up and it looks like it's on backwards. And all you can hear the crowd is go, ooh. It's it's disgusting. The whole, and speedy recovery to the guy because it's 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 a really bad injury. It generally looked like like it, the exorcist turned its neck all the way round. It looked like the leg just went all the way round. It's it's really bad. A lot of the players were traumatized, but really bad injury. But the I think I might fast forward that now, given to, your description. To make, I'm not I'm not laughing at the guy, but the crowd reaction was 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 funny because the second the leg kind of reared its its ugly head while it was broken, just the crowd just went. Eww! You can hear it. it's audible. You know it's. Yeah, it's, it's, it's brutal but uh, the speedy recovery to go anyway uh, and we're going to talk about our derby in Mordor and um, we drew one all with Bose and uh, we had no Joel Coustin surprisingly considering his fantastic cameo coming off the bench against Pats with Lukey Bourne was at left back and Sean Cavan at left wing Davey Mack came in for the injured Sam Bone I think he said it was his hammer that was at him and it was his fourth start in three months yeah, that was a but pleasant Davey surprise. When we were in the hut and then the team sheet came in. Davy Mack was was in the eleven. He put himself about as well. He was uh, yeah. he was uh, well, he did well, yeah. boisterous to say the least. He, that's what you need in those games at times though. You need somebody to put themselves about and kind of put their stamp on it. Not necessarily was, in a football and capacity. I thought he was latching on to second balls and loose balls and stuff, you know, just kind of what he's good at a lot of the time. Yeah, you need that type of player yeah. in those games sometimes because let's be honest, it was an awful game of football. Yeah. It was scrappy, and you kind of need someone like that to kind of mop up all those loose balls. As for Joel, um, we mentioned last week, you mentioned his cameo there. We're not saying that he's suddenly a great player now, but my, my argument is basically he started seven league games so far. So I, I can't judge him. 
So I can't judge whether he's a flop or not. He started seven league games. He may may very well not turn out to be good enough for Rovers. This is an issue we've been talking about, isn't it? So I want to see more of him. It's very yeah, it's very hard to judge a player off that. And it, I, I would like to see more of him considering that cameo against Pats was fantastic and he really mm. showed that he get I, I like I like direct players. I like pace and power when if you don't have pace and power on your wings, I think you're gonna struggle in general if you try and play the type of football we play and we don't really have pace at the moment. It would and it's something that I'd like to see injected into the team. I saw Owen Rice's post on Facebook about how we basically have seven central midfielders and they all want to play centrally. And our lack of width is shocking at times. Yeah, it is. It's really evident. Trevor Clark is injured. And, you know, Mila and Kostrain don't start most weeks. And even Brando's not even a, a winger, to be honest. He doesn't hug the touchline, doesn't directly get at people. He tries to cut in and, and, and take shots. You know, he's not. he doesn't take players on that well. Mm. But it, it was an interesting discussion, though, because I think Mel Torme replied that that actually benefited us against Pats. Because we overran them in midfield because yeah, for that reason. We were excellent in midfield that day, I'd, I'd say that. But um, we were in the hut beforehand. I actually ended up in, in with the Lardies in the Thomas House before that. Big shout out to Bundy, regaling me of stories of, of old, of all the Larrys. And, uh, actually a good little boozer. I think someone said it's a Pat's pub. You didn't record it with the show, no? No, I think this is a bit X-ray in fairness. <laughs> He'd probably come after me if we recorded those stories. <laughs> But, see, um, see who else was in the hood no who else Bottler Bottler yeah for a long time long yeah. time since I've seen him with a with a glass of Pinot Grigio some people hadn't seen him in 10 years yeah a long time I wonder what uh, prompted him to come to this one but it was good to see him anyway didn't last long though didn't last long no certainly didn't and uh, me and the prof were behind enemy lines we were in the Jody and yep. we actually had to walk through the 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 core of Mordor, the mines with all the creatures in the in the bar and everything. I know I had the I had the vultures back on me back. I was expecting to get a dig in the back of the head. I remember what George Keddy said about how him and Bobby have to watch through the bar, and obviously they're not going to wear robbers' colours or anything. Yeah, we're up there beside Bren, who uh, you threatened to add to the list of hatred, gear. Yeah, he only only listens when we win. Yeah, he's apparently. a sunshine listener. Yeah, so Bren, you want to be careful. And behind us, we had Ozzy Nate's evil twin. I actually spoke to him in the in the line for the Jacks, yeah. and I, I mentioned that to him. I said, "You're like, uh, we we have one of you." <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he was like, "What are you talking about?" I said, "We have an Australian guy. We have your your opposite." Just basically imagine Nate, his accent and his loud, but a staunch bow supporter. Yeah, he's that, actually a lovely guy. That's who it was. So yeah. Bumped into Mick Lawler in it as well. He asked me, he goes, how the fuck? No, he didn't say that. <laughs> I was trying to do my Mick Lawler impression. He asked me, what am I doing there? Why did he let me in? But it was quite intimidating at times in the bar. I mean, you're surrounded by people you just generally don't have any time for. And um, it, it was packed in fairness, but I'd say it's like anything, but, but Rovers and Bowers, the bar is always going to be packed. But it's not what I expected. It's a bit of a dingy little kip. Yeah, no, I expected it to have these kind of grand carvings and ornate designs and be this you know lovely bar it's not just just a dingy Small little drawings yeah. of how they used to play football in the 19th century in Danny Mount <laughs> yeah so I didn't stick around there yeah so there's a good few members of the Irish staff there you mentioned Mick Lawler uh, Derek Williams was there uh, Enda Enda Stevens, Roy Keane I actually brushed off Roy Keane yeah no I, uh, as close as I've ever been to him he saw me and he walked the other way you know he knew he knew not to come and mess with the with the king of cans maybe Duffer warned you, warned <laughs> about you. this guy's a weirdo <laughs> Stay away from him. He's outside my house in the bushes. 
But uh, yeah, a bit of a smaller crowd from us than usual. In fairness, Looking right? The that's the most vocal I've heard Rovers in years. That's what I was about to say. We did generate more of an atmosphere than in recent times. It was times. great from the Jody. We were there with Chef Ramsey and all of the upper echelons of the hoops, Kevin Horgan and Brando and Sam Bone and um, a couple of the players. And yeah, it was. They were quite vocal. So fair play to, to the Rovers faithful for making the noise. Beforehand, people were suggesting that uh, the singers congregate under the shed because often the balls games, we've been hearing singers start songs at different areas of the ground. Yeah, it gets messy. And doesn't generate an atmosphere, you know. Yeah, so that was the lead-up to, to that. But and the pitch looked bad, too. The pitch, yeah, it was, once again, it's just cutting up. It's all the games in the short time, you know. The, the pitch needs to recover as well. So it's it's just not working out at the moment with the 10-team league. It really is getting on my nerves. And it's 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 all about the recovery. The recovery time for players and pitches really needs needs to be extended. And it's not happening because of the 10-team league. But uh, like you said, we were in the Jody and uh, Prof, you caught up with a certain crumbling hoop recently. Yeah. Went to the game on the bus with uh, Pat O'Toole. The whack. Yeah. 83, just like we travelled on opening day. And uh, went to uh, Blessington Park, you know, just around the corner from Doyle's Corner. So I was continuing my uh, my Dublin Park series. Remember I interviewed John <laughs> Byrne in Inja Car. The prof just waiting around in parks. It's my... uh, Looking suspicious. Yeah, it's my field reports. Get it? Field Field reports. Fuck's sake. It has to be a (laughs) tumble weed there. Just play the clip. Just play. Okay, I'm here with Powell Tool on uh, Derby Day. We're after taking the traditional 83 route from Crumlin to uh, Mordor. It's Gary Cosmo. We've exercised our democratic rights. We've voted. So, Pat, we're going to talk about Derby. So, give us your favourite Derby moment pre and post Tata um, no cliche I suppose favourite derby would have to be the next one but the last one the most that stands out would probably be the derby after uh, Juventus away when we came home and the FAI in, in our eyes I suppose supporting Rovers did nothing to help the cause um, anti-Rovers they they brought forward the game to the Sunday I think it was a 12 o'clock kickoff noon and we, we were we were in a uh, we were in Italy, I suppose, um, on the Thursday night. A lot of us didn't get back till Friday. And after that, I suppose, uh, lads I hang around with, or, uh, Joe Mason, and that they drove over. So they got back. I think they got back at half 11 um, <laughs> from the ferry in the hole that they drove through Europe. And they got back to Tallaght at half 11. The match was at 12 o'clock kickoff. So, yeah, good times. Uh, the result still stands out. What Twiggy did that day and, you know, Barry Murphy and goal and, Made a fool of kind of man. There, there you go. You know, it's, it's it's great to make a fool of him any day of the week. You know, but Dublin Derby especially was was uh, sweet. Yeah. What about before Tala? Uh, before Tala, uh, the match the match was the last thing really. Um, before Tala, growing up in Crumlin, as I said to you on the bus coming in, we we took some of the the the, the journey down was was heading down into the Kenilworth, and you know we would have been on foot then back in eighty one up until eighty seven when we left um, Milltown. So. Anybody that would be out on, 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 a, on a Sunday at half one, one o'clock onwards, it was great because you, all roads led to Milltown at the time, you know. Um, there, was no, there was no fear of ever meeting a Bowes fan or a Pats fan or whatever, you know. They were tucked away. They got, they got their 18 bus or, as I said to you, some of them went up along the canal and up through Rock Mines, but that would be uh, the Pats fans. But before, before all that, it was the weekend. It, it, was the, it was the Thursday. It was, you know, 
in school and everything else. That's all the, the talk was that week was Dublin Derby. Now I think it has sort of lost that that little bit of flavour because again a lot of the football isn't played on a Sunday. You know a lot of it is a Friday night, and you know we know only too well what it's like to come away from Rovers on a Friday night. The rest of your weekend is wrecked. You know it's destroyed because of ninety minutes of football that maybe or mostly hasn't gone our way. You know so um, preparations for that week growing up in Crumlin. It's a lot different to what it would be nowadays, you know, that we would you have so much you're, you're spoiled for football now, you know. Um eight or nine different leagues on the telly and you know, you can you can see and watch whatever you want. Back then, eighties and nineties I suppose, even the early nineties, um late eighties, I remember it used to be Dutch football on network two or something like that at the time, you know, and that that was the tree. And then it was it was Irish football. You you wouldn't get English football or anything else, you know. That was it, really, you know. So maybe going back to the 80s and 90s, any standout game or goal from a derby? Um, again. Testing your memory. Yeah, yeah, testing my memory. Again, nothing really stood out. They were they were all fantastic times. A lot a lot to do with it was the crowd, the atmosphere, the hype going in, um, filling out grounds. You know, filling. I go into we we'll both be there tonight. You'll be in the Jody stand as you said in the media. Uh, section and I'll be in the shed end I remember the shed in Daly Mount Park when I was rocking when I was rocking roll I remember when we were when we were there and as the home team and we had the stand and I remember the Connick Street and I remember the Connick Street and I'm not going back dinosaur years I'm not you know 10-15 years ago we were still filling packing out the Connick Street and it was great you know once you got to Doyle's Corner or Stoney's Bar on a few occasions you know you knew you were there in numbers and it, it was fantastic you know um, the match that sticks out <laughs> for me and I, I know you're probably trying to get to it is is uh, the two all where we were 2-0 up and mm-hmm. you know it, it, it was Tony Grant's game and, and, and uh, James um, you know the pig's head the whole lot of it like you know and that's you know well, speaks for itself some background on that I suppose Tony Grant just left Rovers to join Ball so what was the mood like amongst the partners over that transfer? There was uh, James Keady as well, you know, at the, at, the, at the time. But I think because of his position on the pitch and there, was, there wasn't too much around him. The rumour mill at the time, and, and again, Shamrock rumours, uh, Tony Grant went for, for €200 Euro or whatever it was, extra a month. You know, and, and to, for somebody for a team that was struggling at the time, Shamrock Rovers, um, you know, financially and everything else, we, we just thought, you know, well, I thought personally, he took... Uh, he took a liberty there, you know, he sort of hit us while we were down type of thing and, you know, um, hence the saying, you greedy pig, as greedy as a pig, that's where the pig's head came from and, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> there's a famous taxi driver in Ballyfermot, no names, Mark Keaton, and he he used to ring me and say to me, yeah, I got to ring the mirror, I'm going to ring the mirror, that must be worth 10 grand to me and the whole lot, you know, but we all laughed about it, I remember, I remember it's clear as day, uh, some of the best, um, my son's been brought over t- today, and um, he's in the safe hands of, of uh, Anto Royley and Paul Davis being collected down in Nice. I'm here with you, as we said, in, in the garden here in Fisborough. And he will hear the stories, and he has heard the story of me and the pig's head uh, for the simple reason we didn't want it to go into Hansel and Gretel, you know, bits added on and everything else. So he knows the facts, he knows why it was done. And <laughs> going back to one of the best games, the atmosphere in the whole. He now goes up the laneway and sees the pig head 
done on the wall in, in graffiti. The lads have done it. And he has posed for a photograph with me before with the thumbs up and the holder. So he gets all that. He gets all that. There was no malice in it at the time, I suppose. We'd no ground and a lot of other things were done as well outside of, of, of the football pitch. And I, I played a part in that and I've, I've no problem. I'm not ashamed of any of that. And if it ever came up again and I was asked to do it again, we'd do it again. And that's just the way it's, it's bred into you type of thing. You know what I mean? It's part and parcel of, of Dublin Derby, like, you know. What do you remember from the moment that you flung it on, and the reaction from the uh, fans in the grounds at the time? What, what I remember, what I remember was, uh, as we call them, uh, the Ninja Turtles. The riot police were there, and it was like, this is something that's after being done out of their rule book. They haven't a clear what they're meant to do. We we had given a young lad a fiver or something like that to throw it onto the pitch, and uh, one of the one of the, the chef Ramsey, I'm just going to call him a Rovers fan, you know, and uh, <laughs> he, you know, he, he swears he swears like him. He doesn't cook like him, but he swears like him. Um, he had actually got the, the, the pig's head for us and the whole lot. And we, we all tried. We all tried different places to get the pig's head and nobody could get it. But Chef Ramsey came up with it. And a few other lads came up with ribs and turnips and fucking carrots and everything else. Whatever we could throw out onto the pitch, we were doing it. But the, the pig's head, the young lad couldn't pick, the, pick up the pig's head. It was about 15, 20 kilos waiting. And uh, he couldn't throw it out onto the pitch after being... If you remember, at the Connick Street, the steps were going down. So he actually had the, 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 the height onto the pitch, you know. So we manoeuvred um, in, in true in true Rovers fashion. We manoeuvred under the tricolour. We all moved underneath it. There was about eight of us underneath the tricolour. And uh, of course, I, I, I was the one that picked up the pig's head and, and, and flung it out onto the pitch. And in fairness to Mick, the security man, it didn't get too far. And I said, Mick, wouldn't kick that back into us. And he, he was laughing and he just kicked it off the pitch a small bit and thought it was going to stay there. But I reached out again and I flung it out onto the pitch again a bit further and he fucking nodding his head. And he's, he's often said to me this day, you fucking bastard, you know. But there you go. That's football banter for you, like, you know. And what about the reaction in the media? And as you said, yeah, it's still talked about yeah, now. So. Yeah, yeah. The reaction, the, the reaction in the media, you know, I, I didn't think too much of it. I sort of knew I, I, was, I was on a safe, safe... Uh, that same person and a few of the lads from Bally you'll go down in folklore history whoever throws the pig's head again that'll be the second person there. you were the first one I always remember that you were the first one breaking my heart laughing laughing at the time you know but uh, I knew I sort of knew nothing would come of it because the guard they were looking at each other laughing and, and they hadn't a clue this was out of their rule book as I said and you know it's not like you fucking kill the pig or whatever or, you, know, you know what I mean it was just it was, the, it was for that and to me that's what I meant. I know what happened to a Figo in the in the Spanish uh, derby a few months earlier, probably a year earlier. To me, that that was just a sign of pure greed and greedy pig, and that's where it came from. And you know, I didn't take too much of the media. I was all right at Rovers. The people that were running Rovers at the time didn't think anything of it and went, "You're all right," and blah blah blah. So that was it. I wasn't contacted. I wasn't on that occasion suspended from the club or anything like that. You know, so that's 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 how it packed part and parcel of it. You know, that's it. Have you ever met Tony Grant since? No, I've met his uh, I've met his uncle a few times travelling away to see um, Celtic. He he'd be on the Night Park bus back in the day, you know, and Albert and people like that would point it out to me. That's Tony Grant's uncle, Wacker. Do you know him? They went, you know, you know, we laugh it off and the whole lot, like you know, just you know. And and look, if I met Tony, I'd I'd, <laughs> I'd fucking tell him that's what it was. He probably knows now anyway, but you know, I'll probably still throw a piece at him now anyway, but. Can you ever see another incident ending remotely like that again? Is there still as much hatred there in the derby? Yeah, the hatred is always going to be there. The hatred, the, the, the hatred will always be there because, you know, as, as we spoke earlier on, coming coming in on the bus, that set up in Daly Mount Park doesn't have to be that way. You know, there could be, there could be um, a lot of the tension that's caused. I believe in the Dublin derby is, is done by the authorities that that 
you know they won't change although they know it's right and they know it's wrong or they they know it's wrong what way it's it's done now the setup and everything else they won't change it because it doesn't suit them to change it you know and little little things like that like um we're after coming up to, to Fisbury now tonight at a quarter past six and you know we have to walk around the far side of the ground and this like parts of it we go up the laneway tonight and and the last time we were up there there was mattresses and bottles and everything nothing gets done you know any other any other ground or any other any other country there'll be a, a police presence or a security presence from earlier on the day and especially at the grounds there'll be nothing happening you know so I don't know I don't know if that answers your question I just I think even in Tala, I, I think the guardies still have it wrong like you know the, the whole setup of fans coming in and coming out and we seem to treat everybody in Tala like royalty you know that we although royalty wouldn't be the right word to use now I suppose but you know they, we seem to give them um, all the benefit of the doubt we're, we're always arms open there's nothing fortress about it now I don't think you know um, that's just my personal opinion like you know we'll probably sound foolish when we listen back to this but give us a prediction it's very hard you know what what I'll give you a prediction like, the only prediction I can tell you if we win it'd be a fucking great weekend if we lose fucking locked away again in the shed this weekend that's the weekend over you know, like all Rovers weekends that, basically that, yeah, well, well look I know there's lads out there following Rovers that like to be locked away in, the, in their sheds at the weekend you know but it's it called monthly madness yeah, on our show yeah yeah. yeah yeah it has to be um, I think I think if it's the same team alright as, as we said there'll be no melee tonight I don't think but you know we just want the shamrock it's very frustrating to answer your question it's very frustrating knowing that we can go out and beat Cork the league leader and, and, and the league champions 3-0 and Tala and go out two weeks after getting beaten by by Pats go out and beat them 3-0 and play them off the pitch and we looked as a lot of people say we looked hungry we looked hungrier on, on, on Tuesday night we looked more physical on Tuesday night we were up for it you know if that Rovers team turn up tonight and realise what a Dublin derby what, what it means to put these back under that rock tonight if, if that Rovers team turn up tonight I can see us walking away 2-0 3-1 whatever you know I think both teams will score but I just I think we, we have to have turned the corner where we take the lead and hold on to a lead this time you know so that's my prediction you know yeah so that was Wacker of the Crumlin Hoops and uh, the infamous pig's head I think Figo had one thrown at him just at the same time in the round the same time I think that might have been the inspiration yeah. but it, it actually cleared up a lot of things for me as well because I wasn't sure the actual meaning of it, obviously I knew like traitor and a swine and things like that. I didn't know greedy as a pig, you know, I didn't know the ins and outs of it. I didn't know it was 200 a week and it's uh, it's, it's good to get that. I love those interviews, it's a bit of bite to them, isn't it? That was gas that the, the first throw of the head didn't actually go that far and then the steward kicked it back. Yeah, Mick. <laughs> got it. Yeah, here's your pig's head. There you go. But uh, I, love, I love the way he speaks about the guard operation and this is something that we talk about on a regular basis. Every ground you go to Dundalk, held back a half an hour. Pats, held back a half an hour. Pretty much every other club that you go to, you're held back a half an hour, right? But you're going to Daily Mount Park and you have maybe five, 6,000 people there and everybody hates each other. Sets of fans hate each other. But the only crowd, the only ground in the League of Ireland where there's, there's, bound, there's bound to be a bit of trouble is they let both fans out at the same time and they have to crisscross each other at a crossroads yep. on Doyle's Corner and they have the horse unit, the dog unit, the the, the Robocops, the, the, the Ninja Turtles, they have all these police units, the reserves, absolutely everybody, same amount of police who police are over in Bowes Derby, police, 60,000 Crow Park and they let them out at the same time. Why? Because of a theory, prof. Because they want to justify their overtime and they want to keep getting their overtime. Therefore, they need flashpoints and they need trouble. They need arrests. 
they send away I think they sent away 40 lads 40 of our lads from the from the crowd so what they what do they want with that they want trouble they're sending lads away I don't know why they're refusing these guys from the ground they've no reason to they've, they've they must have an agenda so what they're going to do is they're going to say okay how do we get our overtime how do we justify this we got to send lads away yeah send away the, the lads who we reckon might kick up a fuss the lads that kick up a fuss two or three again nicked they look at it on the paper and say okay lads more arrests at the overs and bows there we chuck the overtime at them there you go simple that's how it works is that a police com- commissioner job still though <laughs> you reckon I can go for it? <laughs> yeah well <sighs> I can't believe this isn't mentioned more. That the fans are released at the same time and they have to mingle and crisscross. It's like, nuts. Do you remember that time when he got kicked by a horse? <laughs> yeah. I, if only Tommy Kelly was there, he would have knocked the horse out for and me. And he didn't try and punch the horse no. at the Newcastle fan. So <laughs> I cred- could jump over a wall. Credit to you for that. Tommy Kelly, the horse conqueror. But I'm just... Basically, my summary of this is if we're going to see the headlines in the Irish Union... Remember that one? Was it last year? Was it the 2-0? When the, the Gardaí actually released a video of dogs barking yeah, yeah. for two minutes straight. No no Rowers fans, no Bowers fans, no arrests, nothing. Just Gardaí running with dogs and barking. That's what it was. <laughs> I think the, go the, back and the watch video it. caption was like, if you're into dogs barking and <laughs> people running, this is your thing. Seriously, go back and watch it. It's two minutes of dogs barking. It just so, doesn't make sense. But my argument is, if the Indo and the Irish Times are going to have these headlines... Yet more trouble at Rora's Bowes games. So X number of arrests. I think at the bottom of each article, it should say, oh, by the way, at the Eddie Mount Park, both sets of fans are released at the same time. Yep. And it's probably, like you said, the only ground in the country that happens. And it's the it's it's a massive derby. It's huge. There's real hatred there between the fans. Like I said, I genuinely thought I might get a box going through the bar with the Rovers bag on. It could have happened you'd never know it's just the way things are somebody might have a few too many gargles on them could be a bit of a larry and then he might might throw a punch it could happen that is that is not no way an an exaggeration it could happen but they still let the fans out like even even at the end of the game i had to save and um i had to save one of the ultras on the bus he got he got dragged off the bus by six cops and then they were questioning him and asking him for id things so i started recording it because i thought they're going to give him a hiding Gonna gotta get it on camera. So then I was then nearly attacked and told to get out. And I was told to leave under section four. I was leave under section A. I I then pretended to film a documentary. I told them I was filming a documentary, <laughs> but it just shows you the attitude that they have. I think they might have been, might have been reserves. They were they were quite rusty rookies, you could say. But they they were they were just looking to start trouble for for whatever reason. Like I said, maybe because it all boils down to justifying their overtime and and keeping the same amount of overtime for the next derby. But it was um it is it's all very heavy heavy handed and unnecessary so um yeah we'll move on after that conspiracy theory there prof by the way Pat O'Toole uh, just like Guy Best he's calling us Riley ah yeah so he's calling me me Riley personally and I'm just not going to correct him <laughs> so that's my first name now he knows you as the fella with the quiff the fella with the quiff so there you I'm go alright with that yeah there I'm with that although it's uh, considerably shorter now. Uh, yeah, so we'll move on to the game itself and the first half chances. There were few and far between, although Borky should have buried it. Was he being too cute? Was he trying to put it under the keeper's legs? Or Yeah, it was the two Ireland call-ups having a bit of a duel there. Yeah. Burke and Supple. Good save, in fairness. was a good save. He uh, did well. thought the carry chance was probably better because he tried to go around. What was your take Supple. on it? Did you, think, did, did you think it was a penalty? I don't think there was contact. 
I didn't think it was a penalty. No. I don't think it was contact at all. Fabio and Dave Barry had a bit of a an arg- not an argument, but they had a, a bit of a conversation about this. And uh, I think Fabio thought he should have went down, and then Dave was saying, "What? Well, so you think he should dive?" So they kind of went back and forth about that. Yeah, I wish Danny a bit bit more clinical there rather than go around the keeper, just try and just knock stick it over it under his him. legs yeah, or maybe, something. Yeah. Do you see where he came from? Came from Thomas' goal kick. Yeah, it reminded me of their goal, Paddy Cavanagh's goal, in the three one at the start of the season where they got they just punted a long ball up and there was a header and then they were through. You know, I thought you were going to say it reminds you of Richard Brush's assist for Rohan Ricketts against Derry. Richard, what a goal! Still in slow motion, that goal is what a goal. Um. Yeah, so that was pretty much it for the first half. There wasn't any other really flash points. We'll talk about uh, Dan Chopper-Born in a while. Uh, the ruckus in the Rovers' end, Rob Lavelle, one of the tales from the East End bogeys, he said, your man was bringing bones from the chipper into the Jody to the away end. He said the lad seen a boss tattoo on his leg, so they knocked the bones out of his hand. He went back, came, he went off, came back a few minutes later, and then he started on Paul McDonald, and then he got battered. So a few... Digs for the balls, lad, with the bones. I don't know how wise that is coming into the robbers and with a tattoo of balls in that your leg. Stupid. It's like jumping into a shark tank with a fucking steak. Absolutely stupid. And just prick your finger so that yeah. blood comes yeah, out. There just, you go. just in there you case, go, Mr. Shark. Yeah. What was he thinking? And probably being Billy Big Balls as well, walking around with his balls tattoo hanging out on his leg. You know, just don't do it. You just don't do it. But I'm not condoning the violence at all. Um, not condoning it at all. We're just Shame saying, on you, Rovers. Shame. We're just saying it's unwise. That's, yes. that's our point. As, as for half-time, Gar, an Austrian woman proposed to her fella. Yeah, I saw that. And he I... said yes. And the Rovers fans started singing, you don't know what you're doing. Hold on a that second. was brilliant. Yeah, so he said yes anyway. Yep. I think he was on a flight the next day, wasn't he? To Chile. <laughs> God. A proposal at Dalymount Park. How romantic. Oh, uh, yeah. It's uh, living the minds forever. I could think of one or two thousand more suited places in Dublin that I'd propose to my missus but there you go yeah the fact that she proposed as well it wasn't him yeah oh true yeah. it's a strange one isn't it oh Dunster chanted uh, Bows killed your granny oh my god that didn't catch on though sadly <laughs> it should because it's, uh, it's very true uh, oh I just coughed with that. I just coughed at that. Oh, very smart Dunster did you see my lookalike picture for Dunster yeah how, how much did that look like that was uncanny it's, yeah. it's crazy isn't it don't start belting out the hits. Right, so uh, we're going to talk about uh, a potential. No, do you know what? He is. Fuck him. He's going on the list of hatred. Dan Bourne, he proceeded to chun Lee Borky in the first half. Did you see that? He went, ju- went through him. He went through him. He just built him. And he walked off and he thought, do you know what? That's that's what I'm going to do. He's the danger man. I'm going to kick him. He's, he was he was compensating for his lack of football and ability I reckon so he just thought you know what Borky has me in his pocket all day he's going to skin me and roast me so I'm just going to kick him that's what it was because he's very average he's, he's, he's a workhorse he can do a bit of running he can kick the ball the odd time and that's about it this was so frustrating because this was worse than the Joey O'Brien tackle yeah. and Joey O'Brien got a two game ban this guy didn't even Get a second yellow. The second yellow. And then Keith Long subbed them off straight away. So he got away scot-free. This this was real. Do you know how angry I got watching this? Like that second yellow, right? Ref is front row. He is in the VIP seats watching this tackle. And he just hockeyed him over. And it was like studs. Hit him in the shin. And he nearly did like a flip. And he, he absolutely smashed him. Chuck Norris. What is the ref's excuse for this? He was about seven feet away from the ball. How can he not? It was front row. 
VIP exclusive looking right at it and he didn't even give him a yellow and then it just spoke volumes that Bourne got taken off straight after it he yeah. hauled him off and he says right we are to get away with murder there if I was watching this in Soccer Republic between Sligo and Bray I'd be pissed off I was so frustrated watching at the time in the Jody we were looking at going oh that's a bit of a bad tackle we didn't we didn't kind of put one on one or two and two together it was such a bad tackle it was a red card on its own and he didn't even give him the yellow so officially he's a bottler he's, he is Absolutely big time it, and, and he he should be demoted for a week or two same way other certain referees are demoted for bad decisions that is a horrendous decision and it put players at, in, in danger so 100% Rob Hennessy and Dan Bourne both going on the list of hatred yeah so well deserved well deserved going on that because Dan Bourne is a hatchet man and uh, he, he really really went in on him and I'm sure there was uh, certain YouTubers who like to masturbate furiously in their bedrooms while uploading videos of 80 sitcoms to their to said YouTube channel where uh, loving those tackles but we'll move on and um, well, I can't remember what stage of the game that was but the first half was, was dire but the first 15 minutes especially the second literally nothing happened nothing in terms of chances or play happened until the hour it was just so scrappy mark. wasn't it it was awful it was just so so scrappy and in fairness to Corcoran it was a good finish for his disallowed goal but yeah that was, was relief when that yeah, flag went yeah. up I just put my head in my hands and then when the flag went up I was delighted but in fairness it was an early call so um, it was the right call as well also what you could say about our goal I mean there wasn't much going on it, you could say it was handball it did look like a hit Bulger's hand just before he released Finn so it was a str- I'll have to watch it back I'll watch it a couple of times obviously I'm, I'm glad we got the goal but Keith Long what I will say about Keith Long is normally he's okay when it comes to interviews he sounded very uh, very bitter in this one and the first thing he did was compliment the ref on on his uh, on, on his performance which I mean how could he do that if if that was, if one of his players were on the receiving ends of those Dan Bourne tackles he'd be he'd be slamming him straight yeah, after the game ranting and raving, that, yeah that seemed like a, a dig at Rovers straight off the bat is that he had a great game which I don't think he did he should have sent off Dan Bourne and um Yes, yeah, so the goal came from a bit of a, a bit of smart play from Bulger to put Finn in, and me and you just kind of stood up out of nowhere. We're like, "Fucking Finner's in here!" He just looked up. We were like, was, "What's going on? What? Why yeah. has the Bulls defense collapsed all of a sudden?" And then we were thinking, "Is he going to square it? What's he going to do?" Fantastic finish from Finner, excellent, yeah. and straight he, over. He did. The, ha- he had a quick look up. Graham Burke was free in the box. When you first received the ball, you had a quick look. There was, but, but, it wasn't clear enough, moment, was it? It wasn't clear cut enough to, to swing it in. But from that moment, he kept his head down. And I was like, yeah, he's going to shoot here. Super finish. And, and he placed it in the bottom left corner. I thought he was going to go high. Yeah, I, I, I thought he was going to just kind of hammer it. But yeah. super finish. And this is goes goes back to it again. I think that's where Finn should be playing. In that advanced role. And we'll talk about that in starting 11s and predictions in a while. That's where I'm going to put him again. He scored a daily amount in opening day too, so and the last one equaliser in 2011. So yeah, a bit of a knack in Fisbury. Slash Alan Manis. And here's a stats dart for you. Stats dart. He's the first Rovers player to score in two successive daily amount league games since Tig Purcell in 2007. Tig Purcell. Oh, yeah. Tiger, the workhorse. Yeah, but shout out to Marty Waters though. He did do it in a league and a league cup game back to back. Yeah, Marty had a knack of scoring yeah. against Bowes, didn't he? 
I've heard a couple of people say to me that they haven't seen me really celebrate a goal. And my argument to that is, you just haven't seen me celebrate certain goals. Oh, I have. Oh, I've seen you, Prof. I've seen you. You'd want to see the leap on me in this Jody end when this goal went in. Oh, we were running around the Jody. We were running around like head cases. As professional media people we are. Ended up on top of uh, Kevin Horgan. I hope it didn't do his injury <laughs> any worse. I um, picked me moments, let's just say. <laughs> so... That was it pretty much. Joey O'Brien as well, he came on for Finn, which I thought was a bad decision. I thought he shouldn't have took Finn off because Finn can get stuck in when, when it comes down to it. I mean, he can do his defensive work and I thought it was a bad move to take him off and ultimately we paid the price. The The goal, Prof, I've watched this video and it's been a bit of an issue with Rovers fans and the Rovers chat. I've watched it, honestly, I'd say about 40 times and first of all, we'll, we'll talk about Boyle. Boyle unnecessarily pushes, I think it was mm. Ward or whoever received the ball. There's actually no reason for him to do it. He, the, the, the ball winger, receives the ball and Boyle literally runs over mm. and pushes him. He was with, being clever though. With he, both hands. he made a meal of it. He did make a meal of it, but when does anyone do that? Probably what? not even a foul, really. No, but you put but, your hands on someone, it's a foul. But in the 88th minute, and you saw Graham Burke gone mad at him. Yeah, like, why, why did he yeah. do it? Why did he push him? You do that yeah, if if you you could really, get a red card for that. It was careless. Yeah. If you're in a bit of, if you if if a tackle goes in and let's say there's a bit of bit of, bit of afters and he gets up and pushes him in the chest, that's a potential red card with certain refs. So for him to do that in the middle of play was just uh, it was baffling. And then we had Keith Ward whipping it in, good ball in. But as if if you look at Bowes, analyze what Bowes did. As regards to their tactics on set pieces, they bunched together and they created a wall to block our markers. And it was quite cute in fairness what they did. They they bunched together and then they broke and they created a bit of space. But once again, Pico Lopez lost his man for a goal. Somebody said it was Grace. A couple of fans were saying it was Grace. It I wasn't. Think, I think it was originally uh, Pico. But then when Carmel goes for the header... It's, it's Grace who's challenging for it. Yeah, because Grace yeah. just, they, they like I said, they bunched together yeah. and then they broke to create a bit of space and Cornwall went into that space and he nodded home from six yards. Another thing you could say is that Tomar was on, was rooted to his well, line. Well, this is the great debate on Facebook now. Is the goalkeeper to blame? Fans are kind of 60-40 saying yes, Tomar's at fault. Like I said, we're only being honest here in how we feel about the actual game and, and the run of play. Pico loses his man he loses concentration and I think I think we count five goals in the last couple of months and towards the end of the last season that we've conceded because Pico loses his man and loses his concentration he's been great so far this season he's, he's doing well him and Lee Grace have a good partnership but he lost his man again and like there's there's a couple of aspects you can talk about here but, but, but Tomar being rooted to his line really frustrated me because that header was buried with Cornwall's feet on the six-yard box line. So he was, mm-hmm. like, I mean, that's your... Goalkeepers can go through people for a shortcut. You can punch someone in the face <laughs> that's exactly and get away from it. what I was about to say. Get away with it. I was kind of on the fence about it. In that, it is a good ball in, but there's not much pace in it. And it's on the six-yard line. And, uh, like, there was a couple of comments. Brendan Clark on Grace League in the World Podcast said, there's yeah, no way you can blame night. Tomer. Obviously, because, goalkeepers, you only yeah. need so he's, he's not going to... He says because the flat cross and Tomer needs to guard his near post. 
Jimmy Cummins, former robbers keeper in the 60s. Okay, interesting. This he one. said, he watched it and he said he'd usually defend goalkeepers. But in this case, he said he should have swallowed or punched the ball because he was, it was close enough to him, but he didn't react at all. Yeah, he just, st- like, to be honest, that's when you want your keeper to step up. You have a, a free kick in a dangerous area and you're 1-0 up away in the derby in a game that you do need the three points, that's when your keeper, you want your keeper to dominate his area and absolutely welly that ball. Just get it out of there. Put it put it in the shopping centre. Just get it out. But he didn't do that. He stayed rooted to his line. And uh, he, like I said, we, he, you can you can bore someone in the box and get away with it. Probably get a free out. You can punch <laughs> someone in the head as a keeper and probably get a free out. That's the thing. 99% of the time, keepers aren't penalised. As you say, you can punch them in the head. That's meant of a derby that you're winning. Very just, rare. just come out and punch someone in the head. Yeah, <laughs> and you'll probably get a free kick for it in your favor. Ah, uh, it just it's so frustrating to watch. And it, like I said, he stayed rooted to his line. And then I think it looked like he was his his, his reaction afterwards. It was like he was blaming someone else, you know. So it was just not not a calamity of errors. That's harsh. It's just it's just bad defending. So. It's yeah, I mean it was it's a free again. it's a free kick that arguably wasn't a free kick, but as you say, boy was being really reckless there. Yeah, why why push him? You know, we've lost our man. Our goalkeeper key. isn't reacting, so it was an accumulation. So of what do we put that down to? Is that bad, bad coaching from from like practice and set pieces, or what do we put that down to? Because we have been generally okay from set I think, pieces. If you come back to the beginning, I think the players are drilled not to fail. Yeah, because I often hear that, especially early on in the season, the friendlies. I can hear Bradley and Cronin, or, or even Darren Dillon, which some people don't like him barking up shortcuts. Yeah, there was a trade start. But I hear form, them, I it? hear them yelling, "Don't fail, don't fail." So that's definitely coached into them. Yeah. So, so which that should have been dealt with from the beginning. But listen, it's it's done and dusted now, and we we've, we've we've had our two cents on it. But I, it's just very frustrating to concede goals like that. Those goals are. Are, are, like that's the defend them one on one. Just to, just defend those free kicks, especially in that that time. Like it's just very very frustrating. Very frustrating to watch that goal go in. And the stats aren't pretty, girl. The stats aren't pretty. Go on, Prof. Hit us with the stats. One point in three games against Bowes, and we scored the first goal in all of them. Oh, well, so they're they're having a great season against us. They're loving it. They love when you come to town. Seven points against us. That's the most they've taken from us since the clean sweep in 2008 when they won the league. Deegan and Keegan in the middle of the park. Yeah. And for us, that's seven away league games they had to win, equaling the title record in 2013. Our way for us horrendous. Like I said, is it a mentality? Mm. What, 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 what are we doing wrong when it comes to, to away games? Why can't we take three points? So our next one is Limerick, which is the last place we won in. With the Greenberg penalty. Yep. And we're going to be playing on that that rough pitch, so we won't be able to play free flowing football. I heard it's a bit better now. Hopefully, hopefully, I don't uh, I don't mm. have any faith in that at all. Though, in fairness. Yeah, but that goal it was a signer. In some ways, it was more, it was more of a signer than the 99th minute one in Tala. Because, because of the 99th minute winner in Tala. This win would have been so sweet. I know, yeah, to go up to Daily Mount. When's the last time we won a Daily Mount? It was last year. Last Trevor year. Trevor Clark's Trevor Clark, yeah. Yeah. And Brando. Brando swept one home that day as well. Also, so, another reason for putting Bren on the list of hatred was he was looking up the league table on his phone when it was 1 0, and we were seeing that we were one point out of Europe. Thanks, Bren. Cheers <laughs> to that, buddy. 
Oh, do you think God. it being our third game in six days was a factor? Because Definitely. Preparation is the key. Balls had a week off. 100% agree with you. But it has to be because, I mean, you need, you need, need recovery days. And these guys are playing games like how many games I think someone made it came up with a stat I think it was the greatest league in the world something like 12 games in 40 something days like that's crazy it's a crazy amount of games all crammed in but I think you mentioned last week that uh, the games kind of die off as, as the season goes on yeah they do but still it's it's just not ideal and like I said the FAO need to take a, a look at themselves and, and see this has been a, a disaster of the 10 team leagues just isn't working so well balls did kind of uh, come into in the last 20 minutes like our goal was against the one to play we were under the cosh yeah, we, were, that we were under a bit of pressure already so we did fade in the last 15-20 minutes of that game maybe the the fixture schedule was, was a factor I don't know but there you go yeah so we'll move on now and uh, it's going to be what have we got we got other results and we had Dundalk 5 and Bray nil. so they were hammered in Oriel Park we'd say Pats 1 Cork City 3 with the goal from his own half from Sadlier uh, Sligo nil, Limerick nil. Sligo still struggling at home really they just can't buy a win I'm surprised they're kind of sticking with Little because like Sligo have a good tradition of like winning what was it 2012 they won the league yeah uh, won the cup against us and it's I, I don't think he's going to be around much longer he just does, just can't seem to win a, a win at home not scoring at home either not scoring either yeah so um, Waterford 4 Derry nil. so Derry are starting to come undone <laughs> slightly as well that was 3-0 at half time yeah 3 nil. Derry are falling apart but they tend to do this don't they they tend to come back with a run then don't they yeah they'll probably win 5 in a row now in a while you know so uh, yeah, we spoke about Kieran Sadlier's goal um, dribbled in in the end yeah this reminded me of something I, I mentioned on Twitter there that I scored a goal like this in the impressive level of uh, primary school PE I think I remember you talking about this before yeah the highest level I played it was Crumley United under 8s so <laughs> this this is the best I can mobile right so bear with me <laughs> but uh, in PE there was three teams uh, every season so we just played each other around Robin every week and I was on some good teams. I won the league a few times. I was on some mediocre teams as well. Depends on the captain. You had to be kind of smart with your choices. There was like four good strikers. If you didn't have one of them, you were screwed, basically. <laughs> and the captain of my team just had a mare. He basically just picked his mate. So he didn't have any of the good strikers. And I think he liked me as well. So he picked me as in the top four or five, whatever. And Because I was, I was good at defending. But we were just we were just shit all season. <laughs> we just get hockeyed week after week. I think we won maybe a couple of games, and we we're so the other two teams were neck and neck going for the title, and so we were playing one of them, and for whatever reason they're only beating us two one. So we're under the cosh the whole match. They were dominating us, but only beating us two one. And the goalkeeper was so cocky that he didn't even just come up for a corner he was actually playing as like a fly goalie a sweeper keeper for the last five minutes he was just heading up leaving the goal leaving the, the goal open so a corner came in and the ball bounced to me and I launched it yeah with the long range and it trickled in but that was the gas pair to build it that was the last kick of the game and it was an equaliser and a two all draw and did it have any t- <laughs> effect on the league table 
I actually don't remember that. Prof scored the screamer. Yeah. Obviously, you have stats from that game as well, yeah? That's when my stats began, funny enough. <laughs> primary school P. The origin of the stats. Although there wasn't much range them at the time. It was basically just like a league table and a top goal scorer. So I had no imagination. As Humble a, beginnings. As a 10 or 11 year old. Certainly not what I have now. But. Yeah, so the the return of Noel Hunt is imminent as well. Um, not not very prolific. I was looking at his record. And uh, a, lot, a couple of Leeds fans have been getting at him on Twitter lately. Saying he robbed the living them. Yeah, I think he 20 games, no goals at Leeds. But uh, Noel Hunt, once a hoop, always a hoop. We're going to try and get him on the show eventually. Uh, good lad. Just got a promotion with the weekend. Yeah, good backflip for us. Um, yeah, so Noel Hunt, uh, we could see him in the Waterford colours soon enough. So probably can do a job at League of Ireland. And uh, with Alan Reynolds as well, who was the victim of a vicious assault. Reynolds was jumped on, beaten and kicked by possibly two men at around 1am in Tremor. It is understood that the Waterford manager was attacked from behind. Uh, he's recovering in hospital with injuries to his face and body with a suspected broken leg. And I heard that it could have been a former player that he managed at junior level. So um, it's a strange one, isn't it? Tough, tough cookie as well, Alan Reynolds. So a, a speedy recovery to him, vicious assault. Uh, Cam Tilly started selling Cam Tilly FC chocolate bars at games but when you take off the wrapper they're clearly repackaged animal bars <laughs> so how so who whose job was it to unpack animal bars and then put them back in Cam Tilly wrappers whose job was that because I know they wouldn't get near the second wrapper I'd just eat them like, right, well, the bars unwrapped I'm just going to eat it but animal bars put in to Cam Tilly wrappers it's gas do you that remember is. the chocolate remember the Rovers chocolate bars they were great yeah that is classic League of Ireland though. Classic League of Ireland. Repackaged animal bars, yeah. And with Institute will play their home Irish League games at the Brandywell from next season. The newly promoted side had a turbulent season off the pitch when their Drummahoe Stadium was a victim of flooding from the River Fawn. The growth of Japanese knotweed on the pitch compounded the problem Me and Institute were forced to play their home games at Wilton Park for the remainder of the season. So uh, Brandywell will be shared by two Northern Irish teams. There you go. No, I'd never heard of Japanese knotweed. Do you know what? Funnily enough, I was cycling home there not too long ago and there was a massive sign saying, do not cut the knotweed. Japanese knotweed. So apparently it is a, a, a terror in mm. the agricultural world. So there you go, Prof. Um, how's the programme fair on Sunday? And did Robert get a rapturous applause when he received his, his gong? He received a fine, fine applause from everyone in attendance. For uh, program of the year 2017. Were the Pats lads there giving sarcastic claps? Ironically, uh, I meet a Pats fan there every year. You probably know him. He's well known on Twitter. Uh, Dodge. Oh, Dodge, yeah. But he didn't make it this year. So that would, would have been an interesting moment, actually, if he was standing there. Is he involved in the program? He is, yeah. He does the stats, possibly some other stuff. But we've mentioned it before, the amount of work that uh, Robert puts into the program. I know myself, because how early... Before the game, he contacts me. How early he's planned it, putting everything into place, getting articles, adverts. Like, it's a lot of work. Ah, he has it down to a T at editor. this stage. You now he's he just knows the program inside out yeah. and he does fantastic work as well. So And as we mentioned, in the, we have an interview with him coming up. He, it was a hell of a turnaround because a lot of people weren't happy with the program two years ago. Yeah. So to win this award in two years, that is impressive. So this is pretty much since Robert has inherited the, the reins and put his own stamp on it, pretty much. So, yeah, big shout out to the GOG and uh, his, his, his fantastic 
contribution to the match day experience just a couple of notes on the on the program fair uh, numbers have been kind of dwindling over the years sadly at the program fair it's not as popular as it once was but some people still get a get enjoyment of I mentioned Joe's he was there Jim Conroy it's his big day every year he's on to me months beforehand like look, looking for the day to this thing uh, Fieker was meant to have a stand but uh, he couldn't make it in the end uh, Brian Candy, who we interviewed, the the Waterford author. Don't follow the floodlights, or follow the floodlights. <laughs> don't follow the floodlights. Don't flood follow lights. the floodlights. <laughs> his alternative title. Yeah. He was selling his his new book for a tenner, so that was a steal. And uh, I always get a couple of good things off Christy Fennan. That's uh, that's Pat Fennan's uncle. Okay. Big Robbers fan. He always has some great stuff. We got got a Cole Rambler's nineteen seventy two book off him. And it's yeah. And and you thought you had them all. 1972 Cove yeah. Ramblers book I wasn't even aware of there is a, an Irish book setter that I usually go to where he only has like 6 or 7 things left that I don't have but they're all gone for like 60, 70 euro so I'm just not just not going to buy them but then Christy will come on to the fair and he'll just have it there and he'll give it to me for a fiver you are only so dying for us to play Cove so you can whip <laughs> out that book and just <laughs> reveal a stat and he had a foreign book there too. It just, just caught me eye. It was, it was black and red. And it was a foreign language. I was like, what is this? And it looked Turkish. And I opened up. Nothing in, in the English language. And he just looks at me and goes, don't even ask me. <laughs> Where did you come across He's that? there selling it. He doesn't know what it is. Yeah. Football related anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, so that was the prof at the program fair. And next up we have the GOG. Okay, I'm here with Robert Goggins at the annual Irish program fair on Pier Street. And Robert has just received the award for Rovers for Programme of the Year 2017, so congratulations. Thanks very much, Carl. <laughs> Man, a few words. Uh, so, bad year for Dundalk FC in 2017. Not only missed out on a four in a row, but denied a famous eight in a row for Programme of the Year awards. So we finally got off their hands. Yeah, well, look at them. Um, no one's going to dominate any scene forever, I don't think. Um, I wasn't thinking of, you know, producing the best programme for winning awards or whatever. I just wanted to produce the best possible programme that I could for Shamrock Rovers. So I took over in mid-2016 and as you know yourself, Carl, we did a lot of uh, background work in uh, getting out there, speaking to people about what they wanted to see in the programme, what they were happy with, what they weren't happy with and whatever. Uh, Most people were happy with what they we're already getting that sometimes can be a bit difficult because then you're not sure what changes that you should be making if you make changes are you making the right changes are you making for the better are you making them for the worst but um, I think we've managed to keep it very fresh and we try to keep as you know as many varied items as we possibly can in the program and maybe come back to some stuff we've done before and whatever but we don't just repeat things all the time and a lot of people are saying to me that that's the way they like it uh, so it seems to appeal to all age groups which I'm really pleased about because um, you have to hold on to what you have in terms of readers, supporters, whatever but you also have to look after the new up and coming generation as well So when you took over again in uh, mid 2016 I suppose what were some of the biggest challenges you faced because sales had dipped a bit and there was a bit of criticism levelled at the programme yeah, well, sales had dipped a bit, but I think that sales are probably dictated by what happens uh, out on the pitch as well. 
I mean, look, I'm a great supporter of the academy, the underage teams and whatever, and all that's going great for the club. But if things are not going well with the first team, uh, you know, out there on the, the main pitch as where all of these things can be affected then, you know, regarding sponsorship, attendances, programme sales, all that type of thing. So the biggest challenge that I had was that sales had dropped quite a lot and I wanted to see how we could address that. So I just came back in with uh, some of the ideas that I probably would have used when I was editor before, which is to try and keep shorter articles, cover more topics, bring more people in to write for the programme and whatever like that and uh, it, it's, it seemed to work to be really quite honest with you I suppose it was kind of lucky that um, when I came in at the same time that um, Stephen Bradley had been appointed head coach and in fairness to Bradzer I know he's had a lot of criticism of late uh, because expectations in the club are so high but um, he did do a lot in that uh, second half of that 2016 season which people could see we were going somewhere and you could see sort of a renewed uh, spirit within the club even though we were playing with a very young team at that stage and some senior players had been let go but people were kind of happy with the way things, the direction we were going and you know all that type of thing helps when you're trying to sell programmes and do other things in the club as well so I was kind of probably lucky in that regard that there was some movement on the, the, the with the first team and on the main pitch as well you hadn't won the awards since uh, 2009, first season in Tala under Martina Ginocchi. I think it's the first time you personally received this since 2007. That was the end of your previous spell as editor. Well, to be honest with you, um, I can't recall the years that I won it. I, th- I think I won it three times before, and I think Liam Christie before me won it three times. Uh, I can't recall the actual years, but... Um, I'm glad that the standard has risen in terms of programmes in the League of Ireland and I'd like to think that maybe I had something to do with that by going down the road that we did in the 1990s uh, going with a programme that introduced colour and you know various other aspects of the programme uh, getting you know better points of sale and so on at grounds and whatever like you know and I'd like to think that you know, there were some ideas that I introduced into programmes and that, that probably, you know, put ideas out there and put it out to other people that they should follow suit. I'm not necessarily claiming any credit for for anything, but you'd like to think that some of the stuff that you do has been, you know, good enough for the people to copy, basically. And good luck to other people if they have success as a result of that. And just talk about your, your article in the most recent programme, you, it was called... End of the Humble Match Day programme. This was prompted by a vote being taken by English clubs next month, whether or not they should be obliged to even produce the programme. Yeah, well, again, you know, we live in constantly changing times. And, you know, I have often walked around the ground lately looking at people to see what they're doing before matches, and most people are on their mobile phones, whereas 20 years ago most people would be reading their match programmes. So there's definitely a big change there, but there's a big change everywhere, I think, in life. Like newspapers, sales have dropped completely. What you see, you have, you know, the Irish Times charge people to access their, their website and so on, you know, for their, their, news, their newspapers. And that's the way that things are going now. 
but you'd like to think that there is still sufficient support there and a sufficient market there for the, the printed edition. It's difficult, you know, to compete with uh, the digital era because most stuff can appear online within hours of it happening or within minutes of it happening. So you have to try and just make things that that bit different to keep people interested and to keep them supporting. And Robert's put a poll up on social media there recently. Would fans be interested in a digital version of the programme? So what was the reaction to that and how far away is that from actually happening? Well, I wasn't actually involved in that particular poll. The club, the commercial side of the club did that and there was a very big uh, response of people being in favour. But um, I'd be a little bit dubious about that in the sense that You've no idea of knowing how many of those people who said they would be interested do actually buy programmes at the moment or would actually buy a programme even if it was a digital version. The only way you're going to know that for sure is to actually do it. And my only concern about actually going down that road is that it could hit the printed sales significantly. If that were to happen, that might actually make it uneconomical to produce the programme at all. Uh, it may actually even be the death of the printed version of the programme so it's something that I would uh, cautiously approach and go into if that's what we decided to go down we have talked about this uh, twice recently we've looked at everything that would be involved in doing it or whatever it's not that actually difficult to do so it's something that we may actually do even if it's only on a trial basis or even if it's just aimed at people abroad living abroad who would like to get you know, their hands on the copy of the programme or whatever. But we're just not quite 100% sure what way we should go with that just at the moment. I think a lot of people are talking about uh, St. Pat's programme there, preview of us, and uh, I think most people have read that, most people have read you, you addressing it in your editorial, and I think Mr. Sargent has actually replied to you on Twitter about uh, your article. Well, you know, in fairness to Thomas, um, I can't read his mind, but I gather from his tweets to me that he might actually regret writing what he wrote because he has been saying to me that it was only meant to be a bit of light-hearted fun and stuff like that. But if you are a writer and you're having a little bit of light-hearted fun, you've got to be able to use your skills to get that message across to the readers. And that's not the way it came across in the St. Patrick's Athletic Programme. I was actually quite surprised because we've had similar problems with... Uh, Bohemians in the past that all seems to be behind us now I'm glad to say uh, I was very surprised that that appeared in the programme uh, produced by St Patrick's Athletic because they've always been very professional in in that regard uh, they're a good enough club in that regard and whatever um, I haven't particularly seen any uh, feelings of hatred or anything like that between the clubs as rivalry yes keen rivalry and whatever but I've never actually seen us, either of us go that far. I was just really surprised at um, what appeared in the programme. So I just feel now that, um, having seen Thomas's tweets and messages and whatever, that he might actually have a different view on that now. And if that's the case, I'm delighted. Uh, any incidents you can recall over the years as editor of the Rose programme that the FEI or even the Rowers manager at the time took exception to? Well... Yes, there have been a couple of instances over the years, not always necessarily when I was editor. I've heard of um, a couple of things that happened um, when I wasn't editor, but I'm not privy even now to the exact details of those. I do remember, and I think it's probably because we're now beyond the 30-year rule, as they say, 
But there was an occasion where um, Liam Christie wrote an article uh, for the programme when he was editor. And this would be in around 1985-86 season. And we arrived into Milltown on Sunday and we were all handed uh, Stanley knives and we were told to cut the page out of the programme because uh, Louis, Louis Kilcoyne wasn't happy with it. But Louis was, you know, a great friend of Eamon Dunphy's as well. And the article centred around uh, Mr Dunphy. And Liam never particularly had any great respect or love for Mr Dunphy. So perhaps Liam went a bit too far that day, or perhaps Louis was just defending his friend too much that day. But one way or the other, uh, we had to slice the page out of the programme. So uh, not too sure that we actually explained to people what happened when they bought the programme, what actually happened. But uh, some people might have actually got their hands on some of those pages. Maybe some are still around. What about uh, any grumpy roarers from Anders who uh, weren't too happy with a certain article that appeared in the programme? Uh, there probably have been some, all right. Um, Pat Scully wasn't happy with uh, one contributor going back to around 2007. But they don't usually come to me and say to me, they usually go to the chairman or the media officer and they'll usually uh, make their feelings known there. Uh, on that occasion, 2007, I had to have a word with the, with the contributor and we resolved it there and then. But, you know, sometimes I feel that um, managers and other people who are not die-hard Rovers fans like us might be just a little bit too uh, sensitive to be really honest with you. Sometimes I can understand where they're coming from but sometimes I think it's uh, a little bit over the top to be honest with you. Uh, just switching gears to the Rovers underage teams. Last time we spoke the under-15s National League hadn't even come in yet and you're off to uh, Bray's ground later on for the 15s game. You can't be in three places at once every weekend so how have you been juggling those games? Well, yesterday would be a classic example where we had uh, the under-19s and the under-15s playing at 2 o'clock. The 19s were in Belfield and the 17s were in uh, Tallis Stadium. So in that sort of instance, I'll always do the team that's at home. Because when I arrive in the ground, I go in and I speak to the referees and I get the teams and I get them printed off and I bring them up to the media box and whatever. So I provide that sort of service on match days and that, you know. Um, and then I do my... Um, match reports and photographs and whatever so if there's a clash like that I'll always do the home team I did actually have somebody uh, who was in Belfield and they were giving me updates and whatever on the under 19s game so if if it's a case like that I'll try and find out if somebody's going to the other game we've had um, a number of instances recently where 19s or 17s or 15s were playing on the same day but one would be playing in Tallis Stadium and one would be playing in Roadstone but because of other events in Roadstone the kickoff would be at 4 o'clock whereas Tallis Stadium would be at 2 o'clock so it would be just a little bit of a dash from one venue down to the other but as to say if there's a, there's a will there's a way so mm. we get there in the end The 15s are flying they're still unbeaten 37 goals scored 2 conceded 17 still have a 100% record and there's this young man Bogdanov he's on fire yes well if I can give a plug to uh, next week's programme there used to be saying in Shamrock Rovers going back to the 20s and the 30s give it to Bob but maybe now we should be saying give it to Bog because uh, this young lad he's uh, got a very big presence in and around the box Um, they're playing two up front with uh, normally Jack Kelly and uh, Daniel playing in there Uh, he's really revelling in the role He's proven that he's he'll get the goals if you give him the ball. 
So uh, yeah, he has 13 goals now, I think, in, in eight games. So long may it last. See this guy being a future Irish striker? Well, this is the whole idea of these underage teams because uh, the days of going out and buying players is well gone. So we would be looking to develop. But look, in the meantime, there's some other lads in there who might be ahead. I don't know. Dean Williams doing very well with the under-19s. All I can say is that I hope that the lads continue to do what they're doing. Listen to their managers. They've got very good managers, very good structures in there and that they continue to develop and I've no doubt that yeah, we will be seeing some of them because that is the whole idea of it and if we don't then something's not working but I'm satisfied it is working. Have you seen uh, Gavin Bazoon, who was a 16-year-old goalkeeper on the bench recently because uh, Kevin Horgan's injured but he had been hovering around the first team anyway even leading up to that. Yeah, well he had because um, I think Gavin is exceptional because at 15 years of age um, which was last year he was playing for the under 17s and then he was also playing for the under 19s because they had a little bit of a goalkeeper and injury crisis in the 19s so Gavin was actually going to places like Galway one day and then travelling to Cork the next day with these teams so yeah the management loved Gavin he's a great attitude his father's a huge guy and you can see that Gavin is going to be equally as huge so I definitely think that the name of Gavin Mizuno is one that we're definitely going to hear more of in the years ahead. I don't know if you heard the podcast a few weeks back. We had uh, Mick Lawler on and we brought up an incident in the 1970-71 season where Frank O'Neill was manager. And I'd read this in your chronological history book that they had an altercation and uh, Mick was suspended from the squad. He, he denied the whole thing, but we've since actually looked at the newspaper archives and there's quotes from Balsenham. A suspension definitely happened. I suppose, was there an altercation? That's what we don't know. Well, you see, where I got this, and as you now know yourself, Carl, it just came from a newspaper report written by Noel Dunn in the Irish Independent at the time, and it was quite a good article, quite a detailed article, and it gave uh, information about uh, problems at Milltown one Thursday night, in which um, Frank O'Neill, who was the then manager, uh, followed uh, Mick Lawler as Mick was leaving the pitch and Mick said he was going to, to get treatment for an injury and then when Frank checked with um, Billy Lord afterwards Billy confirmed that Mick didn't actually turn in to get the, the, the treatment for the, the said injury and whatever so Mick was subsequently suspended but I think that um, you know they're good friends to be honest with you uh, they worked together after, after that and I'm sure that it's something that they have moved on from and probably long forgotten about. So perhaps Mick's memory has just gone a little bit, or perhaps he was being very diplomatic when you asked him that very awkward question. I'm sure you surprised him when you threw that at him. I'm sure, you know, the natural reaction is to just go into denial, I think, you know. The suspension did only last a week, in fairness to him, so maybe it was easy to forget. Yeah, it was probably just a storm in a teacup, to be honest with you. And as I said, like we know that Mick and Frank are very good friends now. So uh, I'd say they, they just pushed on for that. But probably won't forgive you, Carl, for raising that again uh, nearly 40-odd 40, 40 years later, you know. At least we've clarified it. So going back a year before that, 1969, Roberts had Arthur Fitzsimons as manager, who sadly passed away earlier this month. He was only in charge for a brief time, but he did oversee... One of our greatest ever European wins, 2-1 over Schalke in the Cup Winners' Cup. Yeah, well, that wouldn't happen today, I don't think, would it? But then you wouldn't know. Roddy Collins uh, got balls to beat Kaiserslautern in Germany. so, And, uh, of course, we beat uh, Partizan Belgrade as well. So, yeah, Arthur was only there for a short period. 
Um, unfortunately, he was yet another who fell foul of the, the Cunninghams. Uh, it would have been nice to see, as you say, you know, to to have a win like that over a crack German side at that time was certainly an outstanding achievement. It would have been nice to have seen if he had been given a little bit more time. But then uh, no one could afford to fall out with the Cunninghams at, at Milltown at the time. So obviously he crossed that, that threshold and that was the end of, of that. Sad to see that he had passed away there recently and there wasn't much about it in the newspapers or whatever. Interesting guy. He actually managed uh, the Libyan national team for a few years too in the, the 60s, I think. Well, uh, yeah, you're very good at coming up with these, this bit of information, Carol, because I didn't know that myself. <laughs> right, so that was the GOG and uh, some, some good stories there, Prof. Yeah, and you notice the, the PATS programme tweet about it. They basically said that some people can't handle their edginess. Well, there's a difference between edginess and professionalism. I mean, like I said, drunken Facebook post. That's all that was. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, Robert's the consummate professional and I'm delighted that that's how we... Uh, how we act when it comes to our, our media publications so it's um, once again salute to the GOG and that past tweet was written in text speak so oh, maybe, it was horrible maybe Kenny and Brennan wrote the second it I, yeah, the second I read it I was just like do I have to read all this do I have to really go through all of this crap so we have a new saying as uh, it used to go give it to Bob but now it's give it to Bog as Jay Maloney said he's quite the player a little bit raw but, uh, puts himself a bill. A prospect puts himself a bill, and he knows certainly knows where the goal is. So, very very interesting. And yeah, so Borky made his debut, official debut for Ireland in their two 0 defeat to France in Paris on Monday night. So a very proud day and moment for Rovers and for Bork and the Bork family. So uh, congrats yeah. to Borky. Yeah, out there on the pitch with Pogba and Griezmann. Pogba, Griezmann, I think Tolisso, all those fantastic players and. Uh, Trending he, on Twitter. He had a super pass out to Alan's jo- Alan Judge as well. So I think that was, was his first touch. He was spraying balls. Yeah, no, he, he he just said like that's that's typical of him to just step in and think yeah, game of ball. I, I'm good at this. I can play here. So fair that's play almost amazing him. to see in an Ireland game though. That sort of forward thinking ball. What do we Brilliant. have? What was our possession in the first half? Like seventeen percent oh, or something. God, I don't know. It was terrible. Yeah, but uh, yeah. hopefully it's a uh, it's a sign of things to come and they keep dipping into the League of Ireland because there is some quality there. The weather as well was, was modern alike. Yeah, it was class. I love a game of ball in the rain. So that was the first League of Ireland player to be capped in 11 years. Joe Gamble in 2007. And the first Rovers player in 32 years. Pat Byrne. Pat Byrne, who's uh, still a Rovers mm. regular. So Berkey is the 63rd Shamrock Rovers player to be capped by Ireland. Oh, it's a super stat there. I'm loving that. Did you hear Brian Kerr though? No, obviously he had something bad to say or he's putting a damper on it. Am I right? I'm I'm a big fan of Brian Kerr. Yeah, we all are. We are. We, we said it regularly, but, but I was lately genu- I'm, I'm not. I was genuinely surprised with this. He, he was basically moaning that other players are playing better than him in the league at the moment. Who? I don't know if he said who, but... Even if they are, right? Even if they are playing better than him, this is all down to Bork's natural ability. Exactly. His... his the ability to be able to pull off something magical it's because he's such a good player like they, someone spoke about uh, Huben getting getting no Huben is not good enough for for the national team simple he's not good enough Maguire was good enough he had that extra bit of specialness about him Huben is not good enough that's the way I feel he struggled Surely. in league 2 couldn't score goals regularly in league 1 he's not good enough for the Ireland setup fair enough he might be scoring goals here 
he's not good enough, I don't think. Surely Brian Kerry knows this himself as a former manager that it's not just about picking the most informed player. It's about picking who's going to do a job for the team. Who's going to like add a bit of flair or whatever position you want. Just because Holborn has four more goals than Burke doesn't mean he's suited into the international setup right now. Exactly. Graham Burke is suited. And you saw by some of his passes. Yeah, no. Did some nice stuff. He really is technically um, a step above everyone in the league. I you just know? thought that was a ridiculous statement by Kerr. Ugh. I can't believe he put a damper on the first league Ireland player to play in 11 years. What, yeah. what is... Even going on Twitter, I was reading comments from Pats fans, maybe not Bowles fans now, but fans of other clubs were all really positive about this. Yeah, it's great It for was the a good league. news story for everyone, except apparently Brian Kerr. I wonder what's the, what the bee in his bonnet is all about. Sure, um, maybe it'll sh- we'll shed some light on it in a while but uh, we had a, qu- a quote from Borky Borky said it's a brilliant feeling I'm over the moon and I can't really put it into words right now but it's a dream come true I'm proud to say I have a senior cap for Republic of Ireland he said at 55 minutes I was told to warm up and then you get the call from the sideline to say you're coming on and the hearts start beating a bit faster but to go on the pitch was brilliant for everybody playing the League of Ireland you can see that if you're playing well you can go on and achieve a senior cap just shows you you can go out and do it so some inspirational words from Graham Bork there I see his former Villa teammate got his first cap too Derek Williams Derek Williams yeah I was reading a bit about him quite interesting grew up in USA and he was bouncing around until he ended up in Tremor and Waterford so it was a pretty cool story of mm-hmm. on his background played baseball and basketball and Sean Williams too Finner played with him as sporting finger Sean Williams was an excellent footballer absolutely brilliant and he was one of the players that I thought we should have nicked off Fingal at the time along mm. with Conan Bourne and uh, he was excellent footballer I'm surprised he's only getting his, his, his call up now ex-teammate of Greg Bodger as well for about five minutes five minutes yeah and uh, we'll go on to our Roadstone project because we had the under 19s come from behind to win 3-1 away to a previously undefeated UCD side on Saturday so we Dean Williams Sean Callan and Dean Dillon on the score sheet so a fantastic win for the boys to come from behind Showing some real character there. And the 17s had a 5-0, fine 5-0 win over Wexford and Tala on Saturday. So we two each for Danilo Bogdanov. So give it to Bog and Jack Kelly. And then Emmanuel Odeni completed the route. So it's eight wins from eight for Reusers boys. Fantastic little setup they have there at the 17s. They are really uh, making a march on that league. And we had the 15s, the... 15s, they beat Bray Wonders 3-1 at the Wayside Academy on Sunday. Two goals for Kyle O'Connor and one for Sinclair Armstrong. Sinclair Armstrong seems to be on the score, score sheet quite a lot as well. So we're flying along with the Rollstone project. They're still unbeaten too. Still unbeaten as well. Under the guidance of Duffer and Lukey Bourne. So the 17s have a cup game at home to UCD on Wednesday. And they're away to Cove Ramblers on Saturday. So a busy week for the boys. But the 19s and the 15s league are on a break for a month. So... You can go up and you can get some lovely pints and the roadstone. So and there were big congratulations to Brandon Cavanagh who signed his fourth professional contract. Can't wait to see more of this guy. He's supposed to be uh, quite a player and I mean mm. to get a professional contract at Rovers at the age of seventeen, the tender age of seventeen, am I right? Could be eighteen, but he's no older than that. And to get a pro contract at that age is uh, quite a quite a feat. So came on in Bray, wasn't it? That's came totally, on in Bray, yeah. From what I've seen from him, he's quite tidy and a nifty little player, so definitely looking forward to seeing him. But if he's a winger, does he have any place in this team? I don't think he is a winger. Even if he is, he's I think he might be in the 10 role creative midfielder type player but 
like I said before, Prof, I'm all about pace and power on the wings, and that's what wins your games. Look at all the great teams throughout the years. Pace and power on the wings is where was what wins your games for me, and it makes it an exciting team. And we just don't have it at the moment, to be honest. I mean, you name it. Like we've like Billy Delahey in his prime was the epitome of pace and power. He was brilliant. A lot of people give you flack out of that, but Billy also was a headless excellent. chicken at times. A headless chicken at times, but he was there. He scored sixteen goals in one season. He was top scorer for us. Sixteen, I think it was. Yeah, he was brilliant. Outscoring twig. He was a great you? servant, and I think we his best time in the League of Ireland is definitely with us. But like I said, we're missing that in the wings, and that's what I like from from uh, from my my teams anyway. We the new stand at Tala as well is still under construction, of course. We'd Banner precast tweeted a picture of a truck driving from Offaly carrying the force of nine raker beams, each measuring 21 metres and weighing 40 tonnes. So the first couple of pieces of the jigsaw are in place as we speak. And uh, I think there's two beams up now. Saw a picture of it. Looking fantastic. And what I will say again is I really think that we need to push on and fill that stand. Have an initiative to fill the stand. Go and give out tickets, kids tickets in and around the area. Fill that community officer role that we currently don't have. Nobody's there at the moment. Go out and give out tickets. Garner some support from in and around Jobstown, Brookview, Frettercairn, Cushlon. All these little areas. Go out and give out free tickets to all the kids. Fill the stand. Make an occasion of it. Have some sort of something else to bring them in and get them involved. And, and even maybe organise a friendly how about a Rovers 11 get Beach in get Tony Cousins in get get Daryl get Tony O'Dell have a Rovers 11 against a Tales in the East on 11 you know something like that just to get fans mm. in and have a day out I might score from my own box again hey, there you go you might score from your own box again and we can have a piss up in the AD99 after it not a bad idea just throwing it out there let that linger but no indication yet what colour the seeds are in the new stand. Yeah, nothing yet, but big uh, issue. definitely a big issue. I remember the murder about that at the time, <laughs> man. It was nuts. People were going crazy. We finally get our, our own ground after 20, 22 years. And murder, murder about the colour of the seeds. Bloody murder about the colour of the seeds. So next up, we have questions from the East Stand, which I'm loving at the moment. We have a World Cup format, and we have decided that anyone who gets through to the quarterfinals... It is going to be World Cup themed. So you've heard all sorts of questions, maths to nature to geography, but now it is all football and it is all World Cup questions. So uh, check that one out. Keep an ear out for that one. But next up, we have Lee Grace and Gary Daddy Cool Shaw. All right, so we're back at the Roadstone and we're here with questions from the East Stand. And as normal, it's the World Cup format and we have Lee, Grace and Shawzy. So it's a it's a big face off. So I'm gonna start with Lee. Lee, your favourite player growing up. Did Alan Smith win more or less than twenty caps for England? Less. Less is right, nineteen. Shazzy, did your old boss Tony Cousins score over or under fifty league goals for Rovers? Mm. Over. Under forty six. Come on. Lee, in what country will the Champions League final be played in? Oh my god. <laughs> I know this. Please get past it, eh? Five seconds. No, no passing. Oh my god, I have to draw a blank here. Germany. No, it's uh, Ukraine. Shazi, which fourth division club have reached this season's EA Sports Cup semi finals? Cove. Cove is right. Lee, what's the full name of the MLS club from Canada? Montreal. <laughs> Montreal. Good start. 
Oh my God, United. No, <laughs> impact. <laughs> uh, yeah. And a similar question for you, Shazzy. Uh, finish the name of this club, Vancouver. Whitecaps. Whitecaps, yeah, Shazzy's on fire. And who is Spain's most capped defender? Sergio Ramos. Sergio Ramos with 151 caps, I'd say about 10 red cards. <laughs> um, we have, which German club have just been relegated from the, for the first time in their history? There was a bit of a fuss made about it. Hard to Berlin. Hamburg. Lee, who was the goalkeeper when you scored the only goal of your career? Now, this was before <laughs> Pats, so. Yeah. McGuinness, McGuinness. Yeah, yeah, we'll take that. We'll take that. And Shazi, in which decade did Newbridge Town win their only Leinster Senior League title? Yeah, that'll kill you if you don't get this one. Which decade? 2000s? No, 1990s. Oh. It was 1999. Oh. You're in trouble now. Early 2000s, I would have said. Lee, Dear Me is known by what name? Could you repeat the question? Yeah, Dear Me, as in the animal, the deer. Dear Meat is known as what name? Tarnal. Venison. Did you know it? Yeah, well. Shazi, in cooking, Amandine is a term associated with which nut? Almond. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Level. Lee, what colour jersey is worn by the leader of the Tour de France? Yellow. Yep. And Shazi, who won the 2018 Cheltenham Gold Cup? We, uh, we tipped this on, this on the show. You're oh, official, you? Probably oh, had it backed. Four seconds. I'm gone. I'm thinking of Made of river. Oh my god, it's backed. Yeah, <laughs> 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 really was. Probably good. Lee, what is the minimum height requirement to join the Irish Army? Is male or female? Male it's or female? Go male. Yeah, go male. Five, six. Five foot two. Surprisingly, I thought I'd be a bit more than that. <laughs> and Shazi, how many sides does a hexagon have? Five. Six. Oh. Lee, in poker, people often throw their chips directly into the pot. What is this called? All in. Good guess, no, but it's not. It's called splashing the pot. Too bad. Shazzy, in Texas Hold'em, what is the name given to the fifth and the last card of the game? Oh, it's between two, I'm going to say a flop. No, no, it's not the flop, it's the river. How are we doing, Prof? Now we're three. Oh, I'm sorry. Two, three, four. Four, three to Lee. So four, three to Lee. This is if he if he if he answers this correctly, he yeah, wins it. So Lee, oh, complete no. the name of the American sitcom. Will and oh. Grace. And we let Shazzy answer this one anyway. What's the name of the Simpsons family dog? Don't know. I don't watch Simpsons. San you don't watch the Simpsons. No, no, either. Santa's boy. little helper. So that's Lee Grace through to the next round. Oh my god. We asked a tiebreaker question for the crack. Well, yeah, we got for the tiebreaker. I can't believe that. Right, so that's the tiebreaker for the crack, anyway, is what is the Guinness World Record for the most amount of cream eggs eaten in 60 seconds? I'm going to say 25. <laughs> wow. 
Uh, I'm gonna say. That's a lot, actually. Isn't it? I'll say eight. Six. Twenty-five. Was it Pico said that? Pico oh, said yeah. 65 60 Jeff cakes in a minute. <laughs> and Berkey was like, you'd have to eat one every second. <laughs> <laughs> so Lee goes through with a win of 5 to 3, and he goes on to face the winner of Danny Kerr and Ethan Boyle. Yeah, Looking Sean, forward to that. Looking forward to Danny Kerr and Ethan Boyle. Yeah, I think that'll be close. That'll be a close one, yeah. Shaw's he knew his cooking and his Canadian football. But let himself down with horse racing. Counting it. And he backed it. That was the tales from the East Down tip of the year. And he didn't. He, he just. It just. I think his mind went blank. And afterwards, he said he was anticipating the horse racing question a lot. Ah, you have to. I mean, Native River, and it was only recently as well. Plus, he won a few quid in it. Shazzy, he needs. To, he needs to brush up. So uh, next up, we have starting elevens and predictions. Yeah, so I'm going to start with. Um, we're going to go, it depends on if Horgan is, I'm going to say if Horgan's fit, play Horgan and goal. But obviously if not, it's going to be Tomer. I'm going to go with, I'm going to start Cavill, left full. Because I think Duffy might cause us a bit of problem, might cause us some, some trouble. If he switches over, I think Duffy's been excellent this season. And I think we need somebody with a bit of pace to, to combat that. I'm going to have Boyle, Roy full, Pico and Grace, centre half. I have Borky out wide on the right, and you could say a free wall, but he, he will have to track back considering Duffy will be on the wing, um, and possibly Dylan Connolly, the tobacco magnet. Um, trying to shift more smokes on Instagram. <laughs> I fucking need you. <laughs> uh, left wing, I'm gonna go Joel Coustron. I'm gonna start him in there. I'm gonna keep Davy Mack in the team. With Greg Bulger and Ronan Finn. That's why I was curious now. Would you keep Davy Mack? Yeah, I'm going to keep Davy Mack in the team. We need that bit of bite against these. Him and Shield can have a bit of a battle. I'm going to have Finn in behind the striker with Danny Carr up top. So I'm going to have Borky just playing, doing what he does best, being creative and getting into good positions, slightly out wide, hopefully keeping the discipline on when it comes to defending because we're going to need it against Dundalk. So to run through it again, it's going to be Horgan and goal. It's going to be Cavo left full, Boyle right full, Grace and Pico centre half. Um, we're going to have left wing Joel Coustron Borky up top on the right bit of a new position you could say just just put him on the page put him out there you're going to have Davy Mack in the middle with Greg Bulger and Ron Finn in behind Danny Kerr so what have you got Prof and I'm going to go with I'm going to go it's a tough one but I think we'll beat these I think we'll win 2-1 I think we'll beat them because our form is just all over the shop yeah, I actually had the same team and prediction. You did not. So there you go. So I have nothing to add to that. Character. No way. Same <laughs> yeah. team and prediction. Yeah, two. <laughs> the ones. telepathic connection is alive and well. Yeah, because I mentioned I want to see Joel start more games. That was a bit harsh. And I'm dropping. Yeah, I think so. In yeah. uh, Daily Mount. Just going back to the telepathic connection. I think we have to speak on this, Prof, because every so often, like maybe once a week, I'll be I'll be in work and I'll be watching like Westworld or something or I'll, I'll recommend a, a horror to, to the prof I'm a big horror buff so I'll tell him prof is a big fan of suspense so I'll tell him listen this is a good film on this time or, or whatever and sometimes he'll text me as well he'll, he'll text me with a stat or something like that or, or just something random and I will literally have his, his name open in WhatsApp and I'll just be about to text him and he'll text me about the exact same thing that I'm just about to text him 
And when two of us are just like, this shit is fucking, this is, this is unreal. What often happens is I, I send you an article and you're like, I just read that and I was just about to tell you to read that I'm article. I'm just about to fish yeah. it out and yeah. send it on to you. Yeah, it's just some yeah. telepathic tales from the East End stuff going on there. Trap zip. Trap zip. So props going by 2-1. I'm going to 2-1. I'm going to say... Finn to keep his goal scoring run alive and uh, Joel Coustin to knock one goal. in yeah to get his first goal and uh, put us back on track for Europe hopefully I'm going to say Danny Carr with a brace Danny Carr with a brace and uh, Cliftonville actually brought out a nice article Jay Maloney put us onto this and it pretty much gives us the rundown same same situation as us of the way it's going to work in Europe and I'm actually he, I think he said that if we get an away draw in the second game the semi-final will be on the night before of our game. In and around that. But either way, I think the semi-final of the World Cup can be the night before our away game. So we could be all in the piss in the pub <laughs> watching the World Cup semi-final. So personally, I want the away game second. But um, I'm, I'm can't wait for the draw. Really can't. Some, some like, obscure uh, areas that we could end up in. I think there's like two two places still for grab. Maybe if they're, maybe they're cup finals or something. Yeah. I just I don't think I want Kazakhstan to be honest. There's too many countries like that in the draws, isn't there? There's well, too many the logistics of that. And my post will have an aneurysm if we end <laughs> up in Kazakhstan. But it's a crazy situation. Imagine we end up in Almaty or or somewhere in, just off the beaten track like that. I'm hoping for Latvia myself. Just going back to Dundalk, we're both predicting wins, which is pretty optimistic, obviously. But they're scoring a lot of goals, and uh, but we do play well against the big teams. Yeah, it's it's just it's typical of us now. In fairness, Dundalk are in form and they are playing well at the moment. They're scoring goals. All their players are scoring goals. Huben will have a day off, and Tag Bagum, Taj Bagumi uh, will have. Say that again. Taj Bagumi will score, and uh, he seems to be a bit of a poacher. So they do have goals in them. And Duffy once again, Duffy, you have to double up on him. He's too, he's 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 excellent. He's the best winger in the league and we're going to have to double up on him and Boyle, he's going to be coming down Boyle's side if he switches over. Hopefully, Cavo can contain him and um, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Basically, as someone, as we said in our um, our bogeys WhatsApp group, we're going to beat the Dock and then lose the Bray. Yeah, that's it's that's us all day. Our form is all over the shop. So And the dreaded TV is back there. The dreaded TV, yeah. Our course this season is when we are on television and we will just probably... We lost against Warford, we lost against some Dock, lost against Bowes. Lost twice <sighs> against Bowes. They've lost all four on TV. Yeah, so hopefully it's not the case on Friday. But um So just a couple of stats. We haven't scored exactly two goals in any league game this season. So the four times that we scored more than one, it was the six nil, the six one, the three nil and the three nil. Nuts. So it's crazy. So um one last thing. Stephen Bradley will be 695 days in charge of Roberts on Friday. Still not as long as Fenlon. Only on Monday, when it'll be 698, then he'll be longer in charge than Nutty. There you go. Statzilla, once again on the pro. We'll move on quickly to our 1899 
event and we have its forever mod. So all the mods just roll up on their scooters. We have Kevin Coban in the 1899 bar. We have new cooler tables, which are very cool. You can cool your beers in the ice below your table. It is a fantastic addition to the 1899. We have ice cream stands and slush puppy stands over at the East Stand. We have Chef Ray Ramsey, who is cooking up a storm with his hot turkey rolls and he did Jaden's communion and it was a culinary gangbang prof. There was a smorgasbord of flavours. The chicken skewers, Ray. Absolutely stunning. The curry. I had pots of curry to myself. Ray is famous curry. Yeah, well, we had pots of that in the house. It was absolutely stunning. So, lads, if you're ever thinking of getting anyone in as a caterer or food, Chef Ray Ramsey, a.k.a. Ray Whelan. Great call from, uh, from Dunster last week. If only Roberts could be as consistent as Ray's curry, we'd, uh, we'd be I, sorted. I'm, I'm having it for my dinner today. I still have some left. It's absolutely stunning. And he... Fantastic job with Ray. So, lads, if you're looking for a caterer, Ray is your man. And very, very reasonable as well. So, big shout out to Ray. With uh, Kevin Coban coming in the bar as well. So, he'll be having a little chat. I'm not sure who's going to be hosting that one, but it'll be definitely interesting. Good to see Kevin Coban. We can probably initiate him as a hoop and uh, drape him in the in the green and white hoops. Uh, like you said, as usual, we've Priory Brewing in the bar. Guinness, we've... Three bottles for a tenner, all sorts of fantastic stuff. We're going to have DVDs shown of the Juventus, Year Zero, Real Madrid games, probably Real Madrid because of uh, the final, but mm. definitely that's going to be on the big screen. So Ronaldo and Benzema made their debut that day. Yeah, and uh, it'll be nostalgic times in the 1899. And like I just said, another Tales East End feature in the programme, The Prof is Relentless. Yeah, this time it's a podcast, FAQ. FAQ, so oh, I'm two page, that. Two page spread, Gar. You're getting your you're getting your foot in the door there, prof. I'm, I'm assistant editor, so I have that sort of stroke. <laughs> I can have two pages. This was actually partly inspired by Connor Foley, who uh, launched half of these questions at me at one in the morning, coming home from Derry in the bus. Ah, good stuff, yeah. good stuff. Connor Foley, yeah, good lad, good lad. And currently on post as well, so I'm taking him under my wing, showing him all the tricks of the trade. And don't forget, lads, where Poker Night is still on sale. We're actually struggling with tickets at the moment. We have to be honest, we're not selling many. So do come and see me and Prof in the 1899. We're going to set up a table and we want to have a good night and a good piss up in Peachtree East with loads of food, raffles and spot prizes and just a generally good night. Poker Night. So you'll catch me in the Prof selling tickets, 25 a pop, 10 euro buy-in and you'll see us in the uh, 1899. So um, that's it for this week. Ladies and gents, thanks for listening and get yourself down to Block M, East Stand, Main Stand. Get yourself the talent. We'll support the hoops and we'll beat Dundalk on Friday. So keep on hooping. See
finish choking Cause I wanna smoke it Lord, I'm a foot for Cigarette. Lord, I'm a foot for a cigarette.